Hello and welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Leadership Tools and Strategies. Thank you for joining us today. We are excited to be here with an awesome conversation with Dr. Everett Worthington. Before we get into that, I want to remind you about some of our normal programming pieces. I'm Todd Greer, Executive Director of Center Vision Leadership Foundation. Encourage that you're joining us for this great conversation. We want to remind you about our magazine, Nonprofit Performance Magazine. You can find it at nonprofitperformance.org. In December, we launched our second issue on values in the nonprofit world. And in fact, our guest today is one of our contributors in that issue. We also have coming up on March 2nd, Monday, March 2nd, issue number three, Millennials in the Nonprofit World will be coming out. So stay tuned for that. Make sure you go to nonprofitperformance.org and sign up for your free digital copy. We will on Thursday follow up our conversation from today on Twitter, hashtag nonprofitchat. You can find that Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Please be sure to join us for that great conversation. I am thrilled for many reasons to be joined today by Dr. Everett Worthington. Uh, Ev is a very important person to, to myself and my family. He was uh, and still very much is a mentor to my wife in the field of counseling psychology. Ev is one of the foremost researchers in the world in the area of forgiveness, and so we're thrilled to have him in. Ev, thank you for being with us. Yeah, I'm excited about this. So looking forward to it. Absolutely. So if you know Ev a little bit by now, you know that Ev is kind of an old pro at this. Uh, he appeared with us in the launch of uh, our panel discussion for uh, nonprofit performance uh, issue number two. Ev is a, a noted author, and this is just one of my favorite of his books. It happens to be close to my heart as humility is an issue that uh, I very much uh, love and am passionate about. Ev is uh, he's an author of so many books I can't count, so many journal articles I can't count. Uh, he is doing amazing research, not only here in America, but all over the world. And just recently, uh, you had a, another honor placed on you, right, Ev? Commonwealth professor by the uh, Board of Trustees at Virginia Commonwealth University. Is that correct? Yeah, it is. It's a, a nice thing that they did. Uh, so they're... They don't give very many of those, and I was really blessed to get it. Absolutely. So, Ev, talk a little bit about this idea of forgiveness. Here we are. How does how does one enter into the world of forgiveness? How does forgiveness lay out? And really, within the field of psychology, where does forgiveness kind of find its place at this point? Well, I think uh, starting about 1998, people seem to get interested in studying psych, uh, the psychology of forgiveness. Uh, of course, it's always been important in philosophy and theology, but, uh, but in uh, psychology, um, I think, you know, we're right after the uh, fall of communism and, and we're trying to figure out how do we get along with people that uh, have been our enemies. and. Uh, and so suddenly people started to, to study forgiveness. And once they started, the, um, the, the number of scientific studies on forgiveness just uh, skyrocketed. So that in 1998, there were 58 total of 58 wow. historically total published studies on forgiveness. 
and now there are well over 2,500. So uh, the amount of uh, research on forgiveness has really uh, mushroomed and uh, the field of psychology has, I think, pretty much come to an understanding that is a common understanding of what forgiveness is. Whereas I think in some ways people still debate it in philosophy and in, in, in psycho I mean in uh, theology. But the most psychologists who are interested in can we study this, can we measure it, have uh, pretty much come to agree on it. See now that's interesting because I think you talk about the timing of that, you talk about what's happening in our world. Um, it's a really significant thing. I think you know. Not only did we have the fall of communism, we were dealing with uh, how how did people in South Africa deal with uh, overcoming apartheid and the the feelings that we have, and and I think that's a really encouraging thing. But one of the things that I've seen from yourself, as well as um, those that have been your proteges that are out and about throughout the uh, the universities across America is they're seeing the value of forgiveness in a lot of different contexts, right? What are some of the contexts uh, that, that people are looking at forgiveness in right now, Ev? Yeah, I, I think it is really a, a public health issue. So even if we just think about how much, you know, I mean, if, if an individual forgives, it is going to reduce the chances that they develop stress-related disorders mental health disorders, relationship problems, spiritual struggles. Uh, so it's got lots of, of uh, uh, impact with an individual. But, you know, that is true when you put people in groups, the, it, it kind of multiplies. And so forgiveness has uh, been studied in the justice system uh, from the point of view of police. You know, think about the Ferguson uh, problem and the lack of forgiveness there. In the courts, you know, there, there are a huge number of uh, issues in the courts. And in fact, this recent Paris, uh, you know, tragedy, um, you know, they came out, that, that came out with uh, the uh, article this week and it said, all is forgiven, right on the front page of their article, even with all these uh, murders that took place. Uh, so there's the, the justice system is uh, affected, or forgiveness is important there. It's important in organizations. It's important in nonprofit uh, organizations like the church, but also in business organizations. Um, it's in, important in the health field. Uh, physicians make mistakes, all kinds of, uh, you know, conflicts uh, exist over billing, over diagnoses. So you can think of how many things, it's almost like wherever you point your finger, there are people struggling to forgive uh, horrendous hurts and, uh, and therefore suffering needless mental health, physical health, relational and spiritual struggles as a result of that. See that's really powerful and I think that's so important for us to see because a lot of times we tend to overlooked, overlook each of these different types of contexts. I know one of the areas that you've spent a lot of time in, in some of uh, your former students who are now professors in various places are, are talking about 
the importance of forgiveness in relationships between married people, uh, in couples, in, in other contexts like that. We think about how often these things weigh on us. You talked about the the health concerns that come with this, and the we 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 sometimes are fearful of the idea of forgiving somebody, but if I understand you correctly, the cost of not forgiving or not finding forgiveness is even more uh, a detriment to us. Is that correct? Uh, I don't know what's more, but I can tell you for sure that if people hold on to grudges, it is going to take a physical toll and a mental health toll. And if they're in a relationship, if this is not that say I, they got robbed by a stranger, of course forgiveness is important there, but there's not much of an ongoing relationship. So if there's an ongoing relationship, it's going to have a, a relational toll. And for most people, uh, the spiritual struggles that can happen when they feel like I really ought to forgive this person, but I, I can't or I don't want to, this is too much. Uh, and then they feel guilty, they feel ashamed, they feel like, oh, I'm doing something that I, my religious uh, beliefs say that, that I shouldn't be doing, I'm holding this grudge. So then they have spiritual struggles and can struggle with God and struggle with the, the uh, faith community that they're in. So there, there's an enormous fallout from not forgiving. Mm. See, I think that's so powerful. And and now when we think about forgiving, a lot of times um, people attach the idea of forgiveness with reconciliation, of, of uh, you know, making something okay, making sure their relationship is restored. Talk a little bit about the, the framework of forgiveness that you have, have been part of pioneering here for our studies. Uh, well, we believe that forgiveness happens inside of people, and there are two types of forgiveness. One is a decision about how I intend to act toward the person, and the other is a slower responding uh, emotional change that happens. And that those are actually two different experiences. I, I actually could have an emotional change, but never make a decision to forgive. Mm. Or I can make a decision. People do this all the time. They say, well, I have decided to forgive this person. But every time I see them, I'm just right back into feeling resentful and, and hurt and bitter and, and wounded. And, and so they, they're two different uh, procedures. And so, um, so that's kind of the way that we look at forgiveness as being two different uh, uh, related but separate procedures. See, and I think that's important for us because uh, whether we're talking about it in churches and nonprofits and various types of organizations, we're all going to deal with conflict. At some point in time, somebody is going to offend us. Uh, the, the various nature of the offenses obviously are, are going to be based upon context and relationship, but we have to understand that these are going to be present in our life, and so we have to, to make a choice is what you're saying. Is that correct? Yeah, and the only way I think we can avoid being offended is just not to be in relationships. And then we get offended because nobody loves us. So, you know, you, you, you're, you're going to be offended. It's part of life. And so the question boils down then to how do you deal with that? You know, uh, there are many ways to deal with offenses, such as 
you know, seeing justice done or turning this over to God or just accepting and moving on or, or other things like getting revenge, which is not a very happy way to deal with it, but people do deal with it that way. But forgiveness is, is really the only way that has much chance of building back a positive relationship. Forgiveness is not related and not directly tied at the hip to reconciliation, but it can open the door to reconciliation because I can feel more positive about this person and more motivated to restore the relationship. That's a great point, and I think when we start to place this in the context of the nonprofit world and organizations that are like that, we see some real impact. Uh, I know that you have written, and in fact, um, we, we um, were able to take part in a, a chapter in uh, a book called Psychology and uh, excuse me, Psychology of Religion and Workplace Spirituality a couple of years ago. We were talking about conflict in organizations and the importance of forgiveness and I, I think one of the things that came out as we were looking at that research was just the reality of conflict that's going to be taking place and the things that we hold on to. Uh, whether we're talking about uh, the, the, the issues that we have post uh, 2008 and the, uh, the bubble bursting, we could think about um, challenges that we face in the nonprofit world of when uh, clergy or religious leaders uh, bring offense to us. We can think about nonprofits and when uh, volunteers don't do something or uh, our staff doesn't do something or, or just the relational offenses that, that come from day to day. We're, we're finding, gosh, there's just so much here. H how do we go about this process in, in really moving towards building a forgiving environment or a forgiving culture? in our organizations? Well, I, I think it helps the more different directions we come at it. Uh, I uh, was privileged to be the uh, chair of the Department of Psychology, big Department of Psychology here at VCU for about six years. And when I entered that job, I had these fantasies about forgiveness, you know? such as people would be emailing me and phoning me all the time and asking for forgiveness and you know what turned out it didn't work exactly like that and I found myself writing at least one email every day asking somebody for forgiveness as the chair of the department and and I, I think really to make meaningful change, you know, uh, the leaders in a group, the opinion leaders and the, the people who have the titles of leaders uh, have to be willing to, um, you know, be people's servants and, and to, uh, you know, um, admit when they're wrong and try to take the initiative to uh, restore the relationship and to, to ask for forgiveness when they have been involved in, in this. I think, you know, it, naturally it can't just be one-sided, but, but if a leader who's visible uh, or a number of leaders can do that, I think that sets a lot of the climate for what the organization will do. Yeah, I think that's so interesting, and I think it's important that we we do have to start with the leader. We often talk about uh, it's the leader's role to model the culture that they desire to see come back in their organization. Uh, so, so starting with that leader, it's important, as you say here, for them to model 
and for them to live it out. If yeah. we're going to, to see forgiveness in an organization, it means that they live it out. And I think, um, you know, we have to understand that that's part of the process. We're all going to deal with conflict, though, Ev. I mean, we're all going to have that in an organization. What do we do to kind of move away from what we would tend to think of as negative conflict and, and, and help towards that positive or that, that engaging conflict? Is there something that you would encourage people to think about? Well, if I think, uh, you know, we've been studying virtues in general a lot in about the last 10 years, and uh, we've uh, dealt with a number of them. One of those has been humility. I've become convinced that really humility is, is probably the core of all of the relational virtues. So, you know, we think of humility as an accurate presentation of yourself and a modest self-portrayal, but also as being other-oriented, you know, mm -hmm. as wanting good for the other person. And, and also, when we're challenged in some way, either we are, have some achievement that we get recognized for, or somebody challenges our authority or hurts us and our ego gets strained, then we have to show you know, that other-oriented um, uh, orientation uh, even more. So, so I think, you know, if people can think positively toward orienting to the other person, you know, what can I do to bless this person and this person and this person, I, I think that's the key. Uh, often that means we're self-sacrificial, that, that we somehow take, step down and step out of the light so that somebody else can be in the light. But if we start thinking that humility is self-sacrifice, I think it, cha it, it changes things to make the spotlight on me. I have to think about just, you know, what can I do for this person today? How can I bless this person? And if I've hurt them, how can I repair that so that they're not damaged in, in some way? Mm -hmm. Now, you, you have a, a model in place. Uh, it's called the REACH model of forgiveness. Is that correct? Uh-huh. Okay. Could you briefly just walk us through, and obviously I, I think there's so much here that uh, it would be hard for us to contain it in a program like this, but briefly walk through, because it's an acronym, right? R-E-A-C-H. Briefly walk us through what that looks like, because I want us to think about the context of, of just how we deal with, with these conflicts, these offenses, and how we move through them in our organizations. Right. So one of the things I like to say when I start talking about this reach forgiveness model uh, is it's easy to say five steps. It's not easy to do the five steps. So it, it does take a while, and we found in a lot of research, not just on the reach forgiveness model, but other models of forgiveness, really what's crucial is how much time you spend really trying to forgive the other person. So with that in mind, the R we stand, stands for recall the hurt and try to recall it in a way that is not just blaming the other person or thinking of myself as a, as a victim. Mm -hmm. So the best way to do that is to 
recall the hurt by thinking about what this other person was going through. In very rarely do I ever get up and say, hot dog, today I'm going to ruin somebody's life. <laughs> I usually mean well, and yet I do hurt people's feelings sometimes. And that's usually what happens when I get hurt. Somebody has meant well. That's not always the case, but most of the time that's the case. They meant well, and their execution has not been good. So now I find the E step is can I empathize with that person? Can I get into their framework and see things from what they might have been trying to do and, and feel with them? Or if I can't do that, at least sympathize and feel compassion that they got to a place where they would do something mean to me uh, or, or love them. So, so the E can stand for empathy but it also stands for emotionally replace your negative feelings with more positive feelings of empathy, sympathy, compassion, or love. Mm -hmm. So recall the hurt, empathize with the person, or emotionally replace. Then A is give an altruistic gift of forgiveness. I get blessed if I forgive. I'm healthier, I'm more happy, I'm happier, I'm, my relations are better. I get a blessing, but the amount of blessing paradoxically that I get is very limited if I'm focusing on how I'm going to get better from forgiving. So uh, I want to focus on altruistically giving this person who hurt me a gift that they didn't deserve. And, and that, it turns out, is really a key. That's that humility, being mm -hmm. other-oriented, giving this person something they that will bless them. And then, you know, it, to the extent that I'm able then to experience a change in my emotions and be more emotionally forgiving, then I want to make some kind of commitment to myself that I have forgiven. And, and that might just be as simple as just writing it down, that I forgave someone, you know, and got rid of most of my negative feelings on such and such a day. And, and I do that so that I can hold on to that forgiveness in case I happen to see them and I feel some negative feelings rise up. Usually those negative feelings are my body saying, you got hurt by that guy, be careful or you'll get hurt again. It's not that I don't forgive the person, it's just like burning my hand on a stove. If I get near that stove again, my body will react and it will say, be careful. That's the way that our bodies are designed. So, so that, those are the five steps. Recall the hurt, empathize with the person who hurt you, give an altruistic gift, commit to the forgiveness you experience and hold on uh, whenever you doubt. Wow. See, I, that's so powerful and I think what, what's really unique here is not only the process um, but ultimately what can happen. Uh, how people themselves can feel uh, really a, a new lease on life and in how sometimes relationships can have that. If, if you could briefly share with us uh, maybe an example in which you've seen somebody process through this reach uh, process, somebody who, who's really kind of come to find a new lease on life uh, through engaging forgiveness. Well, I, I think there are 
are so many uh, examples that are really prominent examples. Uh, you know, like Nelson Mandela, for example. Uh, I personally have experienced it in a very powerful way when back in uh, 1996 my uh, mother uh, was murdered and, and I was able to forgive the young man who broke into her house and, and, uh, and killed her. And, and that changed me. You know, I could have been consumed with bitterness and anger and revenge motives toward that guy, but, uh, you know, I was able to forgive him and, uh, and that, um, you know, made a big difference in my life. Mm. See, I think this is really, it's so important for us to see this because you can talk about kind of those two paths that somebody could easily go into. Anytime we feel an offense, we have some different paths in front of us. And what you're talking about here is choosing, uh, psychologists refer to it oftentimes as that pro-social uh, outcome as opposed to uh, that, that deviance uh, or the, um, something that's anti-social. You can think about it that way. Right. We think about it, here Here we are in our organizations, a lot of times when we feel offended, we tend to do things like, well, we stop working as hard. Uh, we, we might uh, start talking behind somebody's back. We might do things that are very active in trying to undercut the, the outcomes of our organization. We might work against the mission of the organization. And a lot of these things, they sit there and they stew over the course of time. Eva, what do you see as the outcomes of unforgiveness? I know we talked about the health issues of unforgiveness, and, and, and I know that there's a lot of amazing research out there that, that's present at this time. What are the kinds of things would you see from an organizational perspective when unforgiveness is just kind of in the climate of an organization? Well, I would say the, the facts are pretty clear from a lot of research on organizations, and that is the major reason people leave jobs is not because they aren't getting enough pay or enough benefits or they're not dissatisfied with the middle office instead of a window. They leave jobs because it is not pleasant to come to work because they're having unforgiveness toward their boss or unforgiveness toward co-workers and it has just become a negative environment and they're they're like I'm out of here and so what if you start thinking about the costs of that here is a worker that is likely to leave or at best not be very productive and maybe eventually get fired so, but here's a, a person who leaves. Now, a position sets open. You have to have a search committee. You have to, you know, hunt for people. That's how much energy and time and money is this taking to find somebody? And then you interview and you hope that they're going to be as good as the other person. And, and then when they come aboard, you have to train them. And so that's going to take training time. And, I mean, you can see how much the dollars are, just from a, a really economic standpoint, the dollars are just mounting up the costs of unforgiveness and a negative work environment uh, for people. This is going to cost the business huge amounts of money. 
furthermore, the person who left is not unscathed. It's not <laughs> they walked out the door into bliss. They don't know where they're going to live. They have to sell their house. They have to find a new house. They have to move. They have to readjust their kids. Their kids are not always happy. Their you know uh, spouse is not always happy. Uh, now they have to adjust to a new job. They have to learn new things. Their productivity is down for a year or however long, and they may still not find as good a place as they left. Mm -hmm. So the costs on the organization are huge, and the costs on the person who leaves are huge. And you know, so what are you weighing this against? What, what if you were able to forgive? How much cost are you willing to bear to be able to forgive some of these people and make this a more positive environment from your standpoint rather than costing the business and costing yourself and your family uh, a huge amount of discomfort? If I, you know, I'm thinking about even the next step here when we talk about our, our social benefit, our nonprofit, our religious organizations, our educational institutions. I'm thinking about the word of mouth uh, undercutting that goes on. You know, a lot of times when we're when we're hurt, harmed, when we're offended, whatever that is, we don't keep that to ourselves. A lot of times we're we're spreading that and sharing that, and I think about. You know, whether you're talking about a parishioner leaving a church, whether you're talking about a, a volunteer or a staff member or a board member that leaves a nonprofit or, you know, a, a professor that leaves an educational institution, the, the impact is, is something that seems to swell when we talk about that, that unforgiveness. Right. And, of course, we only do it to help other people. <laughs> sure. Not that we're really upset about it or anything. You know, we're only thinking of other people. But again, you know, we are going to leave a trail of wounds uh, as a result of this, and it's not really. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I kind of joked about that, but but we don't set out to say I really want to take and wound a lot of people. We are saying I want to help other people not have this terrible experience that I had. And we end up hurting a lot of folks because unintentionally, and then they have forgiveness issues. So, you know, once this gets started, you know, it's so much less costly to try to think about how do I forgive, how do I reconcile with the people that I'm at odds with, than it is to try to go down the other. Uh, path and uh, and leave this uh, this trail of tears. Mm. It's a great point. I think it's so important. Again, I want to pull back and, and and allow our audience to stop and to really think about this. What it looks like from that leadership perspective, whether we're talking about a positional leader or as you talk about you know the idea leader, the somebody the opinion leader. I want you to think about what you can do in your organization, how you can work to make sure that, that forgiveness is encouraged, that we celebrate forgiveness and we celebrate those reconciliation opportunities. We celebrate the opportunities to grow through this because truly those kinds of stories, they, they bring so much to our organizational narrative. They bring so much to our impact. And we can think about those that have been hurt, who have been offended, who've been able to find forgiveness, and we can think about the recovery process and reconciliation. We can think about those things 
Think about what that means to your organization in comparison to, as, as you just described it, the, the trail of tears, the, the struggles that come from there. Now, so we're sitting here, and, and I'm thinking, gosh, there's organizations out there, Ev, that they like this discussion. Um, you know, maybe it's a church that's gone through uh, the loss of a pastor or some kind of offense within ministry, or, or we're talking about a, a nonprofit where we've had maybe a firing of somebody that's been a key staff member. How can they either seek you out or seek your information out to be able to think about how they can really make direct application in their own organization? Well, there are a couple of things that I would point people to. One is my website has a huge amount of free downloadable information, how to run structured groups, uh, you know, workbooks for those. Uh, and also self-help workbooks. There is an expert on forgiveness in churches and in Christian organizations. Her name is Dr. Chelsea Greer. You may have heard of her. And if, if I feel like that's somebody that I know pretty well. Wow. I, I, now she, she, has developed, <laughs> she has developed a self-help workbook and done a randomized clinical trial to show that that really works uh, among Christians. And, you know, I'm sure she would be willing to make that uh, workbook available. Uh, we have a number of workbooks on humility, on self-forgiveness, on forgiveness that are posted on my website. My website is elvworthington-forgiveness.com. Uh, that is, uh, and I'll say it again later in case somebody wants to write it down, but, um, but that's uh, a downloadable uh, little Word document that people can work through themselves in about six or seven hours and experience a huge amount of forgiveness of others or forgiveness of themselves. So let me say the website again. It's evworthington-forgiveness.com. Uh, or if you want to have some fun, you can go to YouTube and just put in Reach Forgiveness. And uh, you know what you will see is I got uh, my undergraduates to make 30-second commercials. So they are really some funny little commercials that they made advertising that website. That's fantastic. What we'll do, folks, as well, is we will include a, a link so that you can find more information about Ev and, and his work there on forgiveness and the reach forgiveness model. We'll have that on centervisionleadership.org shortly, so if you have questions, please don't hesitate to contact us, let us know, and we'll make sure that you get in touch with those materials. Ev, thank you so much for sharing with us. Yeah, also, yeah. you know, I mean, Chelsea, you know, is an expert in this herself. So, uh, you know, especially uh, in working with churches. So, you know, I mean, my, uh, you know, uh, focus is kind of wider spread. But, uh, you know, if churches or Christian organizations, Chelsea's is the workbook of choice. And if you do want that information, if you want to get in touch with uh, Dr. Chelsea Greer, please send me a, an email, Todd at centervisionleadership.org, and I'll make sure that we get you in touch with that information. In fact, I, I've heard, Ev, that there may be some future research coming uh, before too long, so there may be even some more to add into this uh, in this realm. So, Ev, Ev, there's so much here, and I'm just I'm so appreciative of 
not only you as an individual, but the impact that you've had. We, we talk a lot of times at Center Vision Leadership Foundation about sharing and collaborating and, and the things that we can do to help other leaders out. And if, um, when we think about the, the impact that you've had, it's very significant. And folks, if you don't know, uh, there are so many universities across the United States now that have former students of EVS that are our key researchers and some of these virtues that are so important right now. Uh, and, and they are very much friends of Center Vision and things that they're doing. So we're really encouraged uh, to have Ev as a model for us and that collaboration and sharing a great researcher, a man with a, a passion for uh, encouraging and developing others. And uh, Ev, so thank you so much for, for being with us here on the Nonprofit Exchange. We're, we're thrilled to be able to share that with you. Uh, as well, remember again, take a look, Nonprofit Performance Magazine, our December issue. Ev has an article in there, Forgiveness for nonprofits and churches, and you don't want to miss it. It's a great opportunity to learn more, to go deep in some of the things even that we've been talking about today. want to thank you all for your time. Thank you for joining us. You can always tune in to the Nonprofit Exchange. We air Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, always with a follow-up for hashtag Nonprofit Chat on Thursdays at 9 p.m. on Twitter. That's hashtag Nonprofit Chat. This Thursday we'll be talking more about forgiveness in the nonprofit and religious world, thinking about those kinds of things, and hopefully we'll have some of Ev's protégés actually live tweeting with us during that time. I am Todd Greer, Executive Director of Center Vision Leadership Foundation. Thank you for joining us. We're so glad that you could be with us, and please let us know if we can help you in any way. Info at centervisionfoundation.org. Thank you so much, and have a great day. Bye-bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.